Hello, horror hands, and welcome back to our little slice of heaven. I am one of your co-hosts, B. Hi, and I'm Meg, the other co-host. Hello. Here we are. Here we are. Well, this week we've got quite a bit of news to go through. Okay, I'm ready for it. And we're going to start off strong, and we're going to end off strong with some all right stuff in the middle. I think so. Okay. First bit of news is Simone Cassell has been casted as adult Lottie and Elijah Wood has joined the cast as a new character called Walter for Yellow Jacket Season 2, which will start production in August. Well, at the end of August, I think, or end of September. It's going to be start of filming soon. I'm excited for that and I'm excited to see Elijah Wood. I love Elijah Wood so much. The um, So I saw this news come up on my Facebook from comicbook.com and I went into the comments and I saw <laughs> one comment that made me laugh and it said, hey, doesn't he look like the older version of that hobbit that saved Middle Earth? No. No. <laughs> yeah, it was, I was pissing myself because I knew they were joking, but it was just like... Well done, sir. Amazing. I just am so happy that we're getting all this cast announcements. Like, even though, yes, because we're getting cast announcements, it means it probably won't be out by the end of the year. Bummer. It means that they're showing us that they've got it all in hand. Yeah. And that it's gonna be fabulous but elijah wood is just such a fun actor especially in horror films he's got like a little goofy side yeah it'll be interesting to to see him playing against missy so Mm. i'm very interested to to see this next season yes me too i'm just so excited to actually have the season two yeah we went out to eat yesterday we took my dad with us and um we were just talking about like sports accidents and i was like did you guys hear about that girl's soccer team they're flying to nationals and they're playing crashed and like some of them arrived some of them didn't and they were like why have i heard this before i'm like yeah and they like (laughs) potentially maybe had to resort to cannibalism and val was like Oh my god! And my dad was like, "No, that's that TV show." And I'm like, "It took you guys long enough." <laughs> that's so funny! Oh my god, I love that. I think I would have got it instantly. So absolutely, but that's hilarious! Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the next bit of news, which spoilers, I still haven't seen the film. Oh god, but. Universal and Blumhouse are in talks for a sequel of The Black Phone. Now, you've watched Black Phone. Yeah. Does it end with a potential of opening of a sequel? Or do you think it's going to be like a... Uh, not a prequel. Is it a prequel? Yeah. Yeah. Um, There is absolutely no way that they could make a sequel. It would have to be a prequel. And... I have been seeing a lot about it. I really enjoyed Black Phone. I thought that it was super, super cool. And I'm sure that you will dig it when you finally watch it. I just don't see a need for another movie. Like, it gives you a beginning, middle, and end. Wraps it up pretty with a bow. 
I don't see that this would be necessary, but will I watch it? Yes, because I like the original, but I don't see the need for this. I mean, anything to see Ethan Hawke, you know? That is true. Just anything. I watched a Ty West movie that he's actually in, and he was very hot. (laughs) (laughs) I love that for you. But obviously, they're in talks. It doesn't mean it's going to happen, but normally when they're in talks, it's going to happen. Yeah. So, the next bit of exciting news that has made me very happy and very excited. Um, Saw 10 is coming in 2023. <laughs> Yay. As you probably know, Meg does not like the Saw franchise. I do. Even if they get really fucking dumb and ridiculous, I still love them and I still will watch them to this day. I'm happy for I can't believe you. they're on number 10 though. Yeah. Hmm? I said I'm happy for you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I know that I'm going to have to watch, watch it. Um, we need to find out what the premise is for this film so we can, so I can decipher for you which Saw films you should watch. I'll just watch all of them. Well, if it's going to be like a Book of Saw film, you don't really need to watch any of them because you already understand the premise of Saw. And the Book of Saws aren't really Saw films. They're just there. Hmm. Okay. (laughs) I didn't mean that in a bad way, but that's how it came out. Anyway, (laughs) moving on. Um, This is exciting news. Um, Courtney Cox has wrapped filming for Scream 6. That means that we are one step closer to getting this movie. I'm so excited. I've seen them posting photos from the set, and uh, it makes me so excited. God. Like, just. <sighs> I still think back to early this year. I can't believe it was early this year that Scream 5 came out. I know. It's a banger. It's, it's insane, but I remember watching it with Alice in the cinema and us just loving every single moment, being shocked and just excited for where the franchise is going to go. Yeah. So it's exciting that, you know, Courtney Cox is feel wrapped, but also I'm concerned. Does she get killed? Yeah. I'm... Yeah, because she's wrapped very early. So does she get killed like her ex hubby in the last one? Stop. Who knows? Also, spoiler if you have a screen five. Spoiler do we dies. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the next bit of news is the new Hellraiser movie has been confirmed to have an R rating. I mean, if Hellraiser didn't have an R rating, would it be worth watching? I feel like because the Hellraiser movies are such like a, have a cult following that they can do so much more than what the originals did. So I'm really excited to see these. I'm kind of on the fence with them um just as a whole, but I'm excited this might, like, give me more passion for the series. And it's also going to be a female Hell, like, Cenobite in charge for Hellraiser. So, I'm very excited about that. I'm very, very excited to have a female lead Cenobite for this. So, Jamie Clayton, who is playing Pinhead for this movie, is in the L Word Next Generation 
and is one of my favorite characters and you would love. So I'm ecstatic to see her on screen again because this is completely different than the L word. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what she can do. <laughs> I, I mean, I would hope it's completely different. I mean, kind of. Okay, so the last bit of exciting news that we've had is we have gotten the official trailer and official pictures for Tim Burton's Netflix's series for Wednesday Addams. I am so excited. Wednesday is one of my favorite characters ever, dude. Like, she's so good and they could not have picked a better person to play Wednesday. We... I know, we are Jenna Ortega fans here. Absolutely. And we will defend her no matter what. She is definitely the new screen queen. Yeah, one of them. And we will support anything she does. Yeah, so I'm excited to see this. This is such an iconic role. And I, Mm -hmm. just from the trailer, you can get that she has perfect Wednesday vibes. I mean, when she dumped those piranhas in the pool... And that little smile that she gave was so good. I'm so ready for this series. Me too. But there is something we need to address. Bum, bum, bum. And it is very serious because we do not agree with what is being said about the actor who has been cast for Gomez. Yeah, Luis Guzman. It is... Yeah kind of heinous what's going on online there is there's so much fucking racism going on with this right like i saw a facebook post saying the cast we wanted and the cast we got and the cast we wanted picture was an edited picture of johnny depp but i don't think people realize that the original drawings for the adam families gomez is not supposed to be attractive yeah he's not hot yeah like That is who he is as a character. And honestly, I find it more endearing in their relationship that Gomez has like this super hot wife, Morticia, that like he probably couldn't pull. But Gomez pulls her because he has such a good personality. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's just it's really infuriating. Like, yes, people had this idea of a cast they wanted to have. And sure, there'll be probably many adaptations of the Adams family to come in future years. But at the moment, this is the most perfect cast we have gotten for the Adams family. And people need to just shut up and wait for the series to come out and realize that actually Tim Burton has passed cast someone of color Hallelujah. in one of his fucking films or slash series. It's just amazing. <laughs> yeah, two of them, him and Jenna Ortega. So it's like, can we at least like, <laughs> can we at least... Well done, Tim Burton, for doing the bare minimum. Well done. <laughs> I was about to say, can we like take a step back? Jeez. And if these people don't like the casting of this movie... And they're like, oh, this is the cast we wanted. Why don't you go out to Hollywood and become a casting director, please? Just shut the fuck up. Just, you're going to watch it either way. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, stop complaining about it. I feel like he's going to be super good as Gomez. Me too. Also, this isn't the quote unquote Adams family. This is Wednesday. 
this is focused on Wednesday fucking Adams, the bad bitch that she is. So people need to get off their high horse and wait for the series to actually fucking drop before they give any sort of judgment on any of the cast because from the trailer it looks fantastic. There is potential when it actually gets released, it could be fucking shit. It probably won't though. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, like I say every time, don't go into something with prejudgments and like ideas in your head that it's supposed to be a certain way. Just go in empty headed and enjoy the ride. Because Wednesday Adams is going to be a fucking ride. I know. I think that this is going to be really good. I'm super excited. And Gwendolyn Christie, she's like making a name for herself in fantasy right now because I got to the episode where she is Lucifer. I think we talked about it last episode, but Mm. I'm interested to see how this is going to go. I love her so much. Just as I said last time, step on me i need to get a spray bottle for you i need to get a spray (laughs) bottle for you (laughs) that'll be the episode that when we finally get to record together in person in the same room i'm gonna spray bottle you i'm gonna be like stop it the people will hear just go oh she's getting sprayed oh okay Mm. she's done something clearly Okay, so that's all the news, which makes up for the lack of news last week. I I agree. I, I believe that is true. There's so much excitement going on this week, and we get to continue it with today's topic. We will be talking about orphan and orphan first kills. Now, little disclaimer, in the UK, orphan first kill has only been released in selected cinemas. And I have not had time to go see it because, one, I have to travel, like, fucking an hour away. That's crazy. At 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock at night just to go see it. That's fucked up. Two, also, why is it being released on Paramount Plus in the US but not Paramount Plus in the UK, considering it's supposed to be in selected cinemas in the US and released on Paramount Plus? I haven't seen First Kills. First Kill. So... How we're doing it today is I'm going to be covering mostly Orphan and Meg watched Orphan First Kill last night so she will be covering mostly that. We may have input in each other's segments but one will be doing the majority of the talking in the other. So I do apologise for my segment. I (laughs) have some nights but not a lot. Um, also, V has told me that um, they don't care if I spoil it. So just a little warning for Orphan First Kill. I think this episode will have come out like a couple weeks after it's been released. But um, definitely, I will give you another disclaimer when we get to that. But uh, I'm going to be spoiling some shit today. <laughs> Honestly, I think you're excited I gave you permission. I to am. S- <laughs> just go free range because I know the internet will spoil it for me. I know I will see shit, so why not get my bestie to spoil it for me with my permission? You know, consent is everything. That is very true, and this this series has a way of giving you really good twists that you really don't see coming most of the time. Like, 
I feel like they have a way of hitting you with those twists, but still giving you a good story overall. So it doesn't rely too heavily on, oh my God, this twist ending. So I remember seeing Orphan back when it came out in 2009 and everybody was like, holy shit, like you have to see that movie. That movie's crazy. You'll never see it coming. So I feel Mm -hmm. like this was a perfect marriage between our last topic, Killer Kids, and what you think is a killer kid that turns out to not actually be said killer kid. No, no. Also, when you said what a twist, I was thinking of the Robot Chicken segment when they did M. Night Shyamalan. Um, He just pops up, he goes... What a twist! <laughs> I've never seen Robot Chicken, but I, I'll I take your word for it. I love Robot Chicken. Anyway, so as we know, this film is actually based off a real story from a woman in Norway that posed as a 13-year-old boy was actually a 34-year-old woman. And she posed as a 13-year-old boy to try and evade child abuse claims oh my god i did not know that that is what that was based on but mm-hmm. fun fact about orphan first kill that movie came about in 2019 because i think her name is isabel Furman, who plays esther watched a dr phil episode about a ukrainian orphan that was suspected to be lying about her age and that made orphan trend And they were like, damn, like, people really like this movie, huh? So both of these movies were taken from real life what-the-fuck cases. That's crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. It really is. It really is. And when the film got released, a lot of adoption um, charities, companies came out as like, hey, you need to change your tagline where Esther says, Oh, don't you find it so hard to love a child that isn't yours sort of thing. They eventually, they didn't change the line because they were like, well, that's absolutely fucking stupid. Because if you watch the film, you realise that it's a it's a fucking 33-year-old woman pretending to be a child. Yeah, right? like she's an old lady. <laughs> Not yeah. old lady, but... So, <laughs> even though I've watched this film a few times and... Meg knows me. Most people know me as a person that does not want children but is very much willing to be up for adopting and fostering in the future. It has not put me off. It, if, pe- it get, if people get put off by this film, oh God. Oh, honestly, just what are you doing with your life? That's so These true. are such rare cases such rare cases that this has happened and because it's been such rare it's obviously been adapted changed into a film so get over yourself (laughs) so (laughs) for those who don't know the story of orphan kate and john decide to adopt a child after kate suffers a stillborn birth and it was very traumatic as we see from the first scene where she she's having nightmares about having to give birth basically to her uh, deceased child. Yeah. And we meet Max and Dylan. I wanted to do her. 
punch Dylan so hard in the face, but he redeemed himself in the end. He did. Kate has a conversation with John and says, I've got so much love for Jessica, which was their stillborn child, and I want to actually give that love to a child. So let's adopt. Obviously, when you watch the beginning of the film, you kind of feel like she's in a way pressured to agree with adopting because she's still not over for the stillbirth but john in his mind has already moved on yeah definitely um at first i kind of thought that they seemed like a pretty good couple and then it just kind of like derails like he definitely is not the greatest guy no one of my notes is John is a dickless male. I just liked him throughout the whole film. I was happy he got killed. <laughs> yeah. That was it. That's my notes about John. <laughs> um, so, as we see from some of the, like, at the beginning of the film, John and Kate go to an orphanage. And they go around seeing many different orphans and trying to see if they have a connection with any of them. And then John stumbles into this room where little old Esther is alone, painting and singing to herself. And apparently, instantly, they have a connection. But that might be because John is a weirdo and could probably sense that Esther was not what she seemed anyway. So I actually have a little fun fact about that part of the movie. Okay. In earlier drafts of the script, I literally copy and pasted this from IMDb. So if anybody wants to cite this, please, this is allegedly. But in earlier drafts of the script, uh, Kate and John go to the orphanage not to see girls for the first time, but to bring presents to Yolanda, a seven-year-old Puerto Rican girl that they plan on taking home the next day. There, they meet Esther, and the scene plays out almost exactly as it does in the finished film. Although she impresses them, especially John, she finds out that they've already planned to adopt Yolanda. The next morning, Sister Judith finds Yolanda hanging in a closet, and it is assumed that she died in a kid's game gone wrong, but implied that Esther killed her. John later suggests to Kate that they adopt Esther instead. What a different movie that would have been yeah it would have been very different like i kind of would have liked to have seen that but also a lot of directors don't like going down the route of actually killing children in films that's so i kind of understand why anyway (laughs) so they meet esther they get along with her and they decide to bring her home but when a series of unfortunate events start to unfold kate being the sensible one she is starts to realize that esther is really not what she seems this is where i think john is so dickless that he doesn't stand by his wife i know and uh, i get it like you want to believe that kids are innocent kids are you know do nothing wrong however your wife has been sober for a year after an incident with your youngest child, Matt, you should really give her more credit when she says, hey, I don't think something's right with Esther. No, literally, like, it just baffles me that he trusted this 
orphan that they brought home over his wife who he's been with for however long. And for me, I'm like, John, have you watched a single horror movie, my dude? Like, this could go very bad. Like, if he had just watched, say, The Omen, like we talked about last week, he maybe would have had one little red flag flying there, but he was too far gone. Listen, we obviously discovered that John cheated on Kate 10 years prior to the happenings in The Orphan. So I don't think John has got a bit of common sense in his body whatsoever. Yeah, he's just not a good guy. No, absolutely not. Um, So a lot of things happen. Um, Quick summary, Dylan shoots a bird, Esther kills the bird in front of them to put it out of its quote-unquote misery. Sister Judith, is it Sister Judith? Yeah, she, yeah. yes. Uh-huh. She visited the house and was like, hey, I heard about the incident that happened. Oh, yeah. For this, um, Esther pushed off a girl off the top of a slide, Barbara, who was bullying her at school. Honestly, even though um, Esther is in the wrong, I was very happy about that scene. That's true. It's like that she Stranger got what Things she scene. Yeah, she got what she deserves. She got what she deserves. <laughs> well, I think that it's really eerie how in this movie and both those incidences where she's pushed, as well as the Sister Judith scene, she has manipulated Max, this younger character, into following her and getting her to, mm-hmm. you know cover for her when it came to the slide incident and helping her commit a murder and max is so young that she doesn't know what's going on and she is impaired she does she is deaf and Mm -hmm. so esther can use this to manipulate her and it's sad and scary but yeah i thought that that was a really interesting note in this movie i think max just wanted to have that bond with her new older sister yeah um because all she had was dylan and he's not the greatest either he's not the greatest i mean as we said he redeems himself near the end of the film yeah um but (sighs) max is just so innocent that she wanted to believe the good in Esther. So yeah, she does help cover up the murder of Sister Judith that Esther committed. And then my brain shut down. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um okay, so she kills Sister Judith, hides the evidence in Dylan's tree house because Dylan's got locked out there for acting out towards Esther. So at this point, um, there's stuff going on with Kate and John. Kate was tempted to drink, but she didn't. Um, and didn't. Um, John's threatened to take the kids away if Kate does not, you know, get her shit together. So then Dylan goes to Max and was like, "Hey, I don't trust Esther. Do you have any evidence that?" she's not what she seems and obviously max shows her the drawing she's done of her helping esther cover up sister judith's evidence and tell uh, dis- sister judith's death and tells him that the evidence for the murder is in the treehouse so the following morning dylan goes up to the treehouse esther finds him esther sets the evidence alight and 
sets the treehouse alight and tries to kill Dylan. Dylan jumps out, falls on his back, and then Esther picks up a rock and tries to smash his brains in. Max comes along, pushes him, and then Kate appears. Now we get to the hospital scene. Yeah. Oh, the hospital scene. Yeah, this is probably one of my favourite scenes in The Orphan. So, um, Dylan is in intensive care and Kate and John are still not, you know, on the same path, same wavelength sort of thing. Because, like, she knows that Esther's fucked up. Like, this entire time, she knows that Esther's fucked up. And also, in between all of this, we have that scene where she confronts Esther for being not really who she says she is, but just manipulating this family. And she grabs her and has Mm -hmm. then one of the most horrific scenes that I have thought, that I have watched, is that arm break scene i remember that from when i was younger watching this and like still to this day it makes me shudder i remember it grossing me out the first time i saw it and it's been one of those scenes that i have gone back to that make me cringe and like i just feel like it's an underrated scene i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there but I do feel like that's an underrated scene because you see that Esther is willing to go through horrible amounts of pain to continue to manipulate this family and ultimately try and kill them. Yeah, no, you're completely right in that. And you didn't cut me off. It was much appreciated with the input. Sorry. (laughs) There's obviously a conversation between Kate and John that's happened where kate is like okay if i go then this bitch esther needs to go well she didn't say it like that but i added the bitch um (laughs) and esther but you know she wanted to say it oh yeah 100 percent um esther overhears this and she asks quote unquote grandma for a dollar for the vending machine Mm -hmm. but she doesn't go to the vending machine she goes to Dylan's room and tries to fucking suffocate him with a fucking pillow. Yes. He flatlines. Um, he goes into cardiac arrest. And John and Kate watch through the window going, Oh my God, my baby boy is going to die. But he doesn't. Spoiler alert. He still survives. Uh, but Kate is so overwhelmed with emotion and she knows that fucking Esther's done this. So she goes straight up to Esther and gives us the biggest bitch slap that she ever fucking deserved. And it was fantastic. I was about to say, Vera Farminga, who plays Kate, that was like some fury behind that slap, dude. Like, Val and I rewatched Orphan this week. And man, when that scene happened, I was like, damn. That was some great acting behind that scene. Seriously, though. <laughs> After this, Kate's home. John appears. Well, no. Yeah, Kate has gone home. No, no, no. She is oh, sedated. Oh, no, she gets sedated. Yeah, she gets sedated. She's in a hospital room. John comes up to her when she wakes up and goes, Hey, Dylan's okay. I'ma take Max and Esther home. While you stay here, you crazy bitch. Which I'm like, how is she not handcuffed to that bed? Like, how did she just like... Right. She wakes up and she has received a call from 
someone because she found that Sarn Institute in the Bible that Esther has. So she's called Mm -hmm. them and the Sarn Institute's calling her while she's sedated and is like, hey, this bitch is crazy and she's actually a 40-year-old woman right now. So SOS. Get the fuck out of there. Yeah, if you are with her, (laughs) leave. And so she's like, oh my god, I gotta get home. And... The scariest part of this movie is her driving in the snow like that. That scene mm. made my anxiety go whoop. I don't drive, but we do not leave our house in the car when it snows here. Yeah. It's just a big no-no. If we have to walk, we will walk. If we need something, we are not leaving the fucking house in the snow. Well, I think it's because, you know, she knows that Esther tried to kill her baby. Dylan and she's like I am not gonna let you kill Max Max like we said is like the face of innocence so she's like no there's no way that you're gonna do this (gasps) that's cute I had a kinder kinder bueno yesterday it was really good oh my god they were really good dude I will when I come visit, I'll bring you a happy hippo. Okay, sorry. Literally. I'm not going to cut this out of the episode because... <laughs> yes, thank you. I'm um, drunk snacking, <laughs> but I need to show Meg what a happy hippo looks like. It is just like a little hippo. Wait, the fact it that looks- it has eyes is actually so cute, dude. What yeah. is it even? Like, is oh. it vanilla? Is it chocolate? Because it looks delectable. It is basically a Kinder Bueno, but like a hippo. Oh my god, that looks so good. Sorry. Mm. Anyway, um, yeah. She... Anyway, it's really good. <laughs> it's really fucking good. <laughs> she's like racing home to protect Max and John, and she's frantically trying to call him. All the while, Esther is seducing him, dude. Like, it was a really kind of. Uh, well really uncomfortable scene to watch this child trying to seduce a grown man now that we know the ending it doesn't feel that bad but the fact that isabel um Furman mm-hmm. was actually 12 year olds 12 year old during this scene still makes it very uncomfortable it does make it uncomfortable but um i read in an interview with her that she said the way that they filmed that scene, the way that they handled the seductive and like more adult themes were always handled really, really well when she filmed them. And that carried on into the newer film, um, which I thought was good that she commented on it because it is a super uncomfortable scene to watch. Yeah, no, it, I can definitely tell that they handled the young actors very, very well on this set which is really sad to say but it doesn't happen as much as you think it should the fact that because of this she was willing to come back and do another orphan film yeah the fact that she's like 23 24 now boggles my she's 25 she's our age i think she was born the year i was so like it's insane they yeah Apparently, the director didn't even want her saying the line when she catches him having sex and she's like, I know, they fuck. And it's like, he didn't even want her doing that multiple times because he didn't want her on set repeatedly saying that. 
Um, and because there's like this element of sex in the story, it's nice to know that it wasn't creepy when they were filming it. It, from what I've read and behind the scenes stuff, it felt like a very safe set. Yeah. Which is what should fucking happen. Yeah. But it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Like all the shit that's come out about Jet McCurdy mm. mm-hmm. and iCarly were fucking. Yeah. Child actors should be treated with respect. Exactly. But also should still be treated like fucking children. Yeah. No. Because they are. <laughs> they are children. A hundred percent. And <gasps> I feel like definitely with the level of violence that goes on in the final act against John, I feel mm. like it makes me rest a little easier knowing that that was handled well with these child actors. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. hundred percent. So... Obviously, Esther tries to seduce John. Kate gets a phone call from the institution. driving home like a maniac. And because John said no to Esther's advances, we, as Kate is taking the phone call from the institute, we see Esther finally take off the ribbon around her neck and her wrists. Yeah. And we see the scarring that was left from the restraints and straight jacket that she had when she was in the institute. And then this is my second favourite scene is when John enters Esther's room and discovers the black light. Oh my and god. And turns yeah. it on and sees all the black light paintings with the violence and the sex and just the disturbingness between like of the mind of someone he still thinks is a child. Yeah. Bearing in mind. When he dies, he doesn't realise that Esther is a 34-year-old woman. Well, 33-year-old woman. He still thinks that Esther is a child when he gets killed. Uh, That's insane. Yeah. But, yeah, we see the black light paintings and he's like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. What's going on? <laughs> and then he goes downstairs. Esther appears and stab, 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 stab. He did. Yeah. And what ensues when Kate gets home, that like kind of chase sequence where she's trying to get to Max because she knows that John is dead at this point, but she wants to save Max is really, really good. And ultimately, they're kind of like chasing each other to his house and they have a showdown outside where Kate ends up winning. It's like, don't be- come between a mother and her child. Mm-hmm. I think that's my third favorite scene is when Kate kicks the fucking shit out of Esther's head and it looks like she breaks her neck. Yeah. And she falls into the ice. And from that ending, you can tell Esther is fucking dead. The police show up and it looks like Kate, Dylan, and Max will be fine in the end just about fine it's going to be traumatizing for them to go through a lot of therapy with this but that is basically what happens in orphan the 2009 film now we i think we missed out a few details but you go watch it if you haven't seen it because it is worth a watch yeah if you what are you doing if you haven't seen it though like come on yeah orphan (laughs) is definitely like a cult classic i feel like the horror community adores orphan i don't think i've ever seen like a bad thing about it online to be honest like this movie was so good 
Like, there was good twists to it, and the acting was incredible. I mean, there are a, there is a little head-scratcher moment in this next orphan first kill. But, you know, I can look past it, because it has a really good twist. There we go. And I learned this the other day. Um, The director for the 2009 orphan film actually directed the remake of 13 Ghosts and Ghost Ship. So no wonder it's such a good film. But before we move on to First Kill, I got a few trivia bits. Okay, give them to me. For Orphan. So rapid fire. Isabel Furman auditioned for the part of Esther while wearing an old-fashioned dress and ribbons around her neck and wrists. Interesting. I wonder if that became a character design because of that. Maybe. Well, apparently, Esther was also originally designed to be pale skin, blonde hair, blue eyes, but they were so impressed with Isabel's audition that they forgot all about that and cast her anyway. Hmm. She was a good addition, I thought. Definitely. So, next fun fact is Ariana, Arian, Arian, engineer. I'm going with that. Uh, who plays Max <laughs> is actually mostly deaf. She has a um, consular implants, which enhances her ability to hear and talk. That's awesome. I'm glad that they cast somebody who was actually deaf rather than just have an actor put one of those on it's like there are actors out there that have this disability so why aren't we sharing them (coughs) see ya um (laughs) so the film poster of esther's face is unsettling due to the fact that it's actually half of her face mirrored to make a whole face that's creepy i don't like that yep it's very fucking unsettling um the screenplay for this film was featured in the 2007 blacklist on the list most liked unmade script of the year it did have a good script i thought it's a great story it did mm-hmm. 100% esther's given sign name is the sign for emergency in ASL. Yeah, because SOS, this bitch is crazy. Get her away from your kids, your husbands, you. Literally. Lock no. her away. Well, that's a great segue into Orphan First Kill, if I'm being I, quite I, honest. I, <laughs> I've got one more fun fact, which is a very light-hearted fact. Isabel Furman developed an interest in knitting from watching Vera Van Farmiga. <laughs> yep. Past time on knitting projects during breaks in the filming. That's so sweet. I love that. She's also a very iconic horror actor. So that's sweet. Snaps. I love that. Snaps all around. But yes. Segway. Yeah, Segway. Orphan. First kill. Okay. So you had mentioned the Institute, the Sarn Institute. Um, and that is where we start Orphan First Kill. So it's been 13 years. This is set 13 years prior to the events. So Esther would be 20. No, 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 no. I think she's 33 in Orphan First Kill and 40 in Orphan. I'm very confused. <laughs> okay. You carry on. I'm so, just going to sit here. Okay. You sit here and I'll just tell you a story. How about that? 
Okay, I'll interpret going, <gasps> shocking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there is a lot of shocking parts in this movie. It's set in Estonia in 2007. And there's a new therapist that rolls into town because they have a vacancy because somebody disobeyed orders and got himself killed. How did he disobey orders and get killed? He, like, violated how he should um, be communicating with, I believe her name is Lena. Okay. Of course, it's their most dangerous patient, which is a, such a silly trope. Like, of course, it's the most dangerous patient. But this new therapist comes in and there's a security alert. Lena is not in her room. And there's this really cool, like, flashing strobe. So if you do not handle that well, I will just go ahead and say warning for that part. But I thought it was pretty cool. And they lock her in this room and is like, hey, therapist, you'll be safe in here. But she's actually in the room with Esther or Lena at this time. Um, And she's like, what's your name? And she tells her and she's like, oh, shit. Like, this is no bueno. Unlike your kinder bueno. Oh, shit. So, of course, they come back to the room and they're like, oh, my God. And they, you know, tackle her or whatever. No, I don't think they tackle her. They get her back into her room. But apparently she's been working on this long con and seducing a prison staff member, like an institute staff member, to fall in love with her. So, which is also creepy because he, like, gives her the... Um, wrappings that she wears like to hide her scars he gives them to her and she's like oh my god thank you and she's like do you want to come in and I'll thank you properly and it's (gasps) like yeah it's so uncomfortable but he does and she brutally kills him like takes him and like pushes him into the wall and just like bangs his head up against the wall this series has, I feel like, really intense moments of violence. Yeah. And she escapes from the Sarn Institute. And Uh-oh. the th- new therapist sees Esther in front of her car. So she got out of her car and, like, went to be like, hey, she's escaped. Just run her over. Like, it doesn't make, <laughs> like, it didn't make any sense to me. And, you know, while she was like, hey, guys, she escaped. Ah. Esther climbed into the trunk of her car, and that's how she escapes. And this is why you lock your car immediately after you check your back seat, because you have to check your back seat, because somebody could be back there with piano wire, just like ready for you to get in. Mm-hmm. You're absolutely right on that. Yes. Or just run her over. Or just run her as over. As soon as you see her, run her over. You know she's dangerous. You know she's killed people. Just run her over. Fuck it. But definitely make sure to lock your car. And I feel like that should be our horror PSA of the week. Yeah. Lock your motherfucking cars. Because Esther ultimately hitches a ride with her. And once she opens her door, Esther obviously comes out of the backseat and murders her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Esther's like in her apartment and she is like taking a bath she's like playing piano she's like living her life like she's having a good time and she has free room and board but obviously people are going to be looking for her so she gets on google and looks up missing children from america she finds a nine-year-old named esther 
that looks eerily similar to her that belongs to a rich American family. So these people have been looking for Esther for four years, okay? Okay. She puts herself in a park where a policeman comes over and is like, can I help you? And she's like, yes, my name is Esther. And obviously, like, they call the family and then the mom goes to pick her up. And it's, like, beautiful because she's, like, reunited with her family or whatever. But she's actually, like, a deranged escape mental patient. Yeah, but... Uh, sorry, it's not believable to me because parents have this instinct about their kids and they know if someone is their kid or not. Well, because it's happened before where someone's come up and gone, hey, I'm your kid that's gone missing from X amount of years ago. And the parents take him in and go, this ain't our kid. There, There's just not, there's something there that isn't, you know, my child, so. So you actually brought up two points that I want to touch on because one part of this movie that I didn't like was that, yeah, give yourself some kudos on that. One part about this movie that didn't sit well with me really was some of the dialogue was like, "Mm, okay, like there's, um, (laughs) there's a couple lines from the end of the movie that I'm going to tell you, but Some of it I was like, this is kind of far-fetched. But you hit on the point that Julia Stiles goes to pick up, which plays the mom, is going to pick up Esther. And immediately you get that feeling from her that this is not right. Like, there's something off. And they, the FBI agents or whoever is, you know, taking her to Estonia, wherever she's found, is they tell her, like, hey, it's been four years She was taken by a Russian woman who tried to pass her off as her daughter. So things may have changed. This isn't the girl that you remember. But Julia Stiles immediately is like, I don't know. But this family, they are pretty wealthy. The dad, I think, is a painter. um, And he used to be like somewhat famous for his work. And she has a brother who's in high school named Gunner. And he's a successful fencer. Um, Julia Stiles is like, you know, this businesswoman. And like, they're a pretty wealthy family. So like, she has hit it big. Okay. Like, never has to worry about a thing type of rich. But they have subtle touches from the original movie that I really enjoyed. Like, you know how in the original when she's in the shower and she's singing that song over and over again? Yep. That song is actually playing on a record that's in Esther's room. She's like, oh, what is this? And she listens to that song. So it was like subtle little things to the original. And another thing that I enjoy that they tied into the original, you mentioned it when you were talking about it, is the fluorescent paint. The dad that is a painter, he shares with Esther this love for paint and like being an artist because Esther and him, yep, yep, you know where I'm going with this. Esther and him are in his studio in their house and she's like, I want to watch you paint. And he's like, okay. And he, she then is saying, well, I, I like art too. And he's like, oh, what do you like? Like, what do you like to do? And she sketches him 
and they have this bond and Julia Stiles is watching them the entire time like what the fuck is going on yeah from an outsider's perspective like if I just got my daughter back and like she's spending this much amount of time with my husband like that's great because he really missed her like this is a story about him really missing his daughter and you know it's kind of like weird Uh from her perspective to kind of see all this happening and then v they give you the most crazy second and third half Okay, don't tell me the dad fucks her. No, 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 Esther goes oh, to, like, God. run away. Okay, but then she looks back, and she got a little too horny, I think, because she saw him in the studio, and she's like, I can't run away from this. This is a man of my dreams. And he teaches her that his secret is painting with fluorescent paint. So he will paint something... And why he's so famous Mm. is then he turns on fluorescence and there's a second painting underneath it. Right. So I'm saying, like, they have subtle, like, touches to the original that I really liked. And one of the things is Julia Stiles finds that Bible, just like Kate did, that says the Sarn Institute. And I'm like, girl, you should have... What is she keeping? I'm like, you should have learned from the first kill that somebody's going to find that Bible. Because that's exactly what One, she does. If you want to keep the Bible, rip out the fucking page that's got the stamp to the fucking institution that you're in. Or two, get rid of it completely, you fucking psychotic bitch. Anyway, carry on. And you're like, I've seen this play out before. Because it feels very similar to the original in that point. And you're kind of sitting there like, I think I've seen this film before. And I didn't know the ending. Literally. So I'm kind of like sitting there like, okay, we're literally going to see the same thing play out. And then you get, I hope that you get this reference. The most Jean Benet Ramsey plot twist in a movie. Holy fucking shit, dude. She was, she was the, um, she like did toddlers and tiaras stuff like in the 90s. And then she like, her family called her in missing and nobody knows who actually killed her. It was definitely the fucking brother. But yes. Oh yeah. You, you say that? Yeah. That, that, that's what you get. Okay. When I say (laughs) the most John Benet Ramsey plot twist, it is because there's been a police officer that has been kind of like helping the family since Esther has gone missing. And he's on to Esther. He knows that she is not who she says that she is. So she goes to his house, which Julia Stiles has seen his tell or his address is written in her book. She goes to kill him. Esther does because she's like, obviously like you're on to me and I want to stay in this family and fuck you, dude. And as she's stabbing him, she is like, WTF? He goes, I know you're not the real Esther. And then from behind Esther, blam, 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 is Julia Stiles. And you're thinking, why did you just kill this police officer? Oh, let me tell you. It is because... Julia Stiles knows that the real Esther is dead because four years ago, Gunner, the older brother, murdered Esther and Julia Stiles hid the body. What the fuck? So she, she knows that this woman is not Esther and is like, 
Look, ever since Esther has been gone, my husband has been a different man. And I need him to be the man that he was. So you're going to well, put his dick in her. Mm-hmm. Literally. So you're going to pretend to be Esther and I'm going to give you a place to stay. Okay? But obviously, shit derails, but not in the way that you would think that it would. Okay, I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Go on. You end up low-key rooting for Esther. Oh, God. Which is crazy, and Isabel Furman had told, I think it was IndieWire, like, they wanted to make a film because you despised her in the original. They kind of wanted to make a movie where you rooted for her, and you definitely get that. Gunner is a fucking asshole. He goes to Esther and he goes, I know that you're not Esther. And basically, if you fuck this up, you little freak, I'm going to fucking kill you like I did the real Esther. He is a psychopath. Hold on. Do we know why he killed the original Esther? They were roughhousing and he was playing too hard. Which, you know, that's a whole, that's a whole big in the JonBenet Ramsey is people think that the brother killed her because... They were roughhousing, and the parents, the mom, covered for him. Yeah. So he is a psychopath, and it derails, and he's like, I want you to know that I own you, basically. And Julia Stiles also plays this character so well, because you fucking despise them. They treat her horribly. And you know that this mother is just covering for this piece of shit son. That it almost is like, you want to know what? Fuck you guys. Like, I just want her to be happy at this point because you're being so rude. And also, the real Esther needs justice. So, she tries to kill them. You know. As she does. And they go, "Uh uh-uh. Absolutely not. We're gonna kill your ass. While the dad's away. So they try to attack her. And um, she, you know, stabs the fuck out of the son. And the mom is like, what have you done? What have you done? Because during this sequence, she's told her son, you need to finish it. You need to go finish it. Like, finish her. Like, take her out. Because mm-hmm. I know that you're a brutal killing machine. But he hasn't seen Esther in action before. Well, at least not this Esther. There's a sequence where they get out on the roof and then the dad comes home. But the house is Mm. engulfed in flames because somebody left the stove on. Okay. And they're battling and he's coming up to save them and they're hanging onto the roof. And the wife just falls and dies. Very, I felt anticlimactic. She was just kind of like, oh, I'm slipping. But then he saved who he thought was his daughter. And they're standing there on the top of the roof. And um, she had told him right before she fell off, that's not Esther. That's not your daughter. So he's standing there like, what the fuck is going on? And, you know, she then professes her love for him and is like, oh, I love you. You know, I did this for us. Mm -hmm. And he's like, WTF? And she goes, and then he falls and lands right next to his wife. So... That's basically the premise of it. I just told you the whole movie. I'm sorry. But. That's okay. But there was. I I really liked that it gave subtle nods to the original. And I thought that that was good. But just some of what happened was a little bit lackluster. Because, you know, at the end of it, she's 
with the therapist, the family therapist, and um, they're like, what will happen now? I mean, she's a good girl. Who wouldn't want to adopt her? And it's like, I don't know, some of the dialogue felt cheesy, and it felt a little anticlimactic, but there was parts that I liked, so I kind of have a mixed feeling for it. Hmm. Yeah. But does my telling of the story make you want to watch it? Oh yeah, I'm still going to watch it for sure. It just sounds like it doesn't live up to the excellence that was the first one. Yeah, I think that that may be why, because I feel like by itself it would probably be a really, really good movie, but because Mm -hmm. I already know that she is, you know, this 30-year-old woman it kind of loses its kind of sense of wonder. But that twist that she knew that she wasn't truly Esther, like, you did not see coming at all. So I really enjoyed that part of it. It it lived mm. up to the, like, twist of the original. It just didn't live up to the original. Mm. Interesting. Okay. Well, yeah, I'm still going to watch it. I'll feed back to you. Maybe not the pod, sorry guys. Uh, my thoughts and feelings, but I'm sure they'll be the same as yours. Yeah, it just sounds like it doesn't compare at all to the first one. And I'm sure if they had released this one before the first one, it would have been fine. But because it's been released after, like many, many years after. 13 years after. Yeah, it just doesn't live up to what it should do the legacy of orphan yeah i mean it was probably if orphan was an a it was probably a a b minus c like around that ballpark but it wasn't the worst um it wasn't the suckiest sequel that i've seen but you know good good i'm glad i'm glad to hear yeah i'm glad (laughs) (laughs) i I really enjoyed us taking a deeper look into, like, Creepy Kids and Orphan. I thought that these were fun episodes. I know they weren't your favorite trope, but I feel like the creepy kid factor in Orphan is just next level. Yeah, I mean, I can watch Orphan, but the others we covered, I get a feeling in my chest, like, not watch it because creepy kids are creepy and I don't like it. But creepy but adults. Is... Uh, creepy adults playing creepy, creepy adults children. everyday thing. <laughs> yeah. So V, do you have any final thoughts when it comes to Orphan or Orphan First Kill? Um, Orphan was done excellently. I can't really comment on Orphan First Kill. Are you excited to watch? But it is something to watch. I think don't go into it expecting excellence like the first one. Go into it with, you know, an open mind, an open heart, open mind, and an empty head. (laughs) Head empty. Um, don't listen to the haters. Make up your own judgments. Um, <laughs> yep, that's the end of today's show. Um, yeah, if you wanna interact with us on socials, we're on Instagram at Horrorhuns Podcast, or you can interact with us on Twitter at Horrorhuns Pod. Um, I mainly run the socials, but I always show Meg um any interactions we have. 
And we will see you next week. For a very, very exciting topic. Oh, yeah. It's very <laughs> sexy topic indeed. One of sexy little lady. It is a very sexy topic. We'll catch you guys next Hell week. Yeah. <laughs> May.